Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to read verse 1 and then go down to verse 18. Verse 1 says, The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now here's my verse, the next three. And she shall bring forth a son... And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And in case you wonder what that means, he says, which being interpreted is God with us. Let us pray this morning and ask God to bless this message on who is Jesus. Our gracious Father in heaven, we come, we thank you now, Lord, to help us today and bless those in a special way that have come out today. And Lord, maybe others chose not to come out, maybe they're sick or, or whatever have you, but Lord, I felt um, inclined and constrained by the Holy Spirit that if the shepherds made a physical appearance at the birth of Jesus, that we as the body of Christ ought at least make an attempt to set a day aside, which happens to be on the Lord's day, to be here present to acknowledge the birth of Christ. Lord, help us to be able to uplift you. Help me to be able to give you the preeminence in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Here we have the beginning verses of Matthew, the writer, which is Matthew. He does not take the time to open up the Old Testament about this man, Jesus. Now, this name, Jesus, and I, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. I think sometimes we throw words around uh, like they're mud clods, and we, we don't understand. I, I don't think we understand that words have meaning and names have meaning and this name jesus it means its meaning is jehovah is savior that's what it means uh years ago i looked up the definition or the meanings of my name i, I got uh, a philip is one of my names and philip means a lover of horses which i don't love horses but that's my name. I'm stuck with it. Uh, and then uh, Todd, uh, uh, we wanted to know what, what uh, Todd means. Well, Todd means a fox. Now, I don't know if that means a fox as in good looking or if that's a fox as in sly as a fox. But I do know this, in the fox and the hound, that little fox was called Todd, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, amen. Amen. Now, 
I said all that to say this. Names have meaning. And when you read the Word of God, every word is important. And so this name, Jesus, and Matthew does not go into length to explain to you or to open up the Old Testament Scriptures about this man, Jesus, because it had been prophesied. It means Jehovah the Savior. But Matthew starts in as if the reader is well-versed in the Old Testament Scriptures regarding Christ. Now, Christ means the Anointed One. And Emmanuel, because he says you're going to call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. And so you have Jesus is Savior. Jesus, Jehovah is Savior. Uh, Jehovah is the self-existing one. That's what Jehovah means, the self-existing one. So the Bible is trying to communicate to you in just a couple of words, names, that the self-existing one, Jehovah, is Savior. And Emmanuel means God is with us. Interesting. Interesting. Matthew is unique in a number of ways. is because he wrote in such a way that expect, he expected the reader to be familiar with the Jewish culture. He refers to Jewish customs without explanation. You would find that in Matthew 15 and Matthew 23. He starts the genealogy with Abraham. He presents the name of Jesus which means Jehovah is Savior. Jehovah meaning the eternal existing one. And he assumes that the reader knows its Hebrew roots. My mind goes back to Genesis 1.1. The Bible doesn't go into length on uh, about God. It just says, in the beginning, God. The writer's not going to get into the fact because man and the skeptic would like to say, well, then where did God come from? Why didn't the Bible tell us where did God come from? God has been the eternal existing one. He has always been. There is no beginning or ending with God. And that's hard for the human mind to comprehend because everything with the human mind has a beginning and has an ending. And just as Genesis, the book of first mention, it assumes it's not even going to take up the debate, is God real? It just starts in, in the beginning, God. And remember, the burden of proof is on the side of the skeptic. And what happens when you try to debate an atheist or a skeptic, uh, an agnostic, is they'll want you to prove that there is a God. That's not how it works. You're the one that is against it. And so you must therefore prove that there is one or isn't one. You see how the devil's so slick to try to twist that around. And the Bible starts, no, God was here in the beginning. God, God was already here in the beginning. Matthew starts that way. He's not even assuming for a second you're not familiar with the Bible. And he just starts in. He presents Jesus as Emmanuel. Matthew was written to present Jesus Christ as the King. 
the coming King, the coming Messiah. We today are not as well versed in the Old Testament Scriptures as we should be, bringing about many problems and false beliefs about the Lord Jesus Christ. Adding on top of that issue, we have the devil and the children of the devil, false teachers and preachers, teaching that Jesus is not God, He is just a prophet or a good teacher. In the early church, they dealt with a thing called Gnostics. And Gnostics denied that Jesus ever come in the flesh. It was a, it was a, it was a big uh, uh, false teaching in those days. And John, uh, he, he wrote much about it. And you can catch that flavor there in 1 John. And, and John, uh, the, the Saint John, he writes and he's clear to tell you that the Word, which is another name given to the Lord, he says it become flesh. That's that incarnation. It become flesh. And so to deny that Jesus come in the flesh and because Jesus has a meaning, meaning that uh, <laughs> Jehovah is Savior, what the devil's trying to do and his teachers and false prophets is try to confuse you or to take the preeminence away and their Christology away that Jesus is not God. And it's a very damning heresy. You cannot be saved Unless you understand, or let me use the word, believe that Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. For there are Jesuses aplenty. Uh, in Hebrew, the name Jesus would be translated Joshua. And so you have that. And there's been other people named Jesus. That was not this Jesus. That's why he had a full name. The Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there was none like this one. But because of our ignorance of the Bible, namely the Old Testament Scriptures, we fall prey to this type of false preaching and teaching or cannot offer a defense when asked or approached. Hence the title of the message, Who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus? I'm going to give you three perspectives, or three points. Number one, who is Jesus according to the Bible? It doesn't matter what I think about it. It doesn't matter what you think about it. It doesn't matter what the Jehovah's Witness thinks about it. It doesn't matter what the Mormons think about it. What's really important today is what does God's Word say about Jesus? But then we'll get into what did the apostles, who did they think He was? Not what was He. I said who. Who is Jesus? The Bible, as early as Genesis 3, and if you read your Bible from cover to cover, and I recommend at least one to two times to read your Bible starting in Genesis and come through. Number one, if you're a weak reader, by the time you get to Revelation, you will have strengthened your vocabulary because it starts in third and fourth grade English and then ends in eighth grade English, and it helps you along the way. But it also, in every page and every verse in the Bible, is woven in 
This man called Jesus. It's the central theme of the Bible is the coming Savior. For in Genesis 3 verse 15, he is called the promised seed. There he says to Eve, because Eve brought sin originally, she was the one that messed up. And you say, oh no, that's what the Bible says. For as by one man sin, yeah, I got that, I got that, hang with me. (laughs) It would be a woman (laughs) that would bring in the Savior. As he said, seed of the woman. Why? Well, because he held Adam accountable for having performed the first sin. You say, what's going on there? Well, it was Adam that he commanded not to eat of the tree. And Adam was supposed to be looking out for Eve, his wife might be a little something to that. And so God comes right down to the head of the household and said, what have you done? Oh, wait a minute. So what did Adam do? He done what any good self-respecting man done. It's the wife. (laughs) She did it. (laughs) It's the one you give to me, Lord. I I didn't get to pick my wife, Lord. Uh, You made her, brought her to me and says, here it is, boy, go to it. That's it. It's all you get. There is no others. (laughs) You're talking about fixed marriages. (laughs) God might believe in them. (laughs) This is a Christmas message, guys. It's okay. I'm not preaching on marriage. <laughs> oh, some of you just didn't get the present you wanted already. You're already upset, aren't you? All right. He's the promised seed. I'll get off of that. He is the promised seed woven in all the way in Genesis chapter 3. The promised seed. And they understood that there was going to come a man from God who was going to bring redemption to mankind. But then, if you was to look in there at Galatians, He is the promised Savior, and we must turn there, Galatians chapter 3, and I thank God that we got a completed Bible today, and we can look at these things, and we can understand these things better, should, than the prophets in the Old Testament folks. Genesis or Galatians 3 verse 8. He's going to talk about Abraham who lived 430 years before Moses and the law. And he says, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So what was he preaching? Well, he's referring to the gospel. Paul said the gospel, he said it was his gospel, and it had been revealed to him. But what the Bible's just told you is that Jesus was preaching the gospel before he gave it to the apostle Paul. Go down to verse 18. Now to Abraham, he clears up what he was talking about. To Abraham and his seed where the promises made, he saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one. And to thy seed, which is Christ. 
See, what was he saying? He told Abraham about Christ, the coming Redeemer, and that he was going to come through his lineage. That's why Matthew starts there, uh, that he was, uh, he starts with Abraham and comes through David, because the Bible says that Jesus would be of that root of David. That gives that connection to the, the seed and allows him to sit on that throne. So he was preaching about Jesus to Abraham. He said, man, preacher, I, I, I don't know about that. Well, I'll put it to you about this. The Bible says that Abraham knew about the coming of Jesus because God had told him. And Abraham wanted to know more is what your Bible said. I mean, wasn't it Hebrews chapter 11? I'm going to switch gears about talking about Moses who come forward 30 years later, who was responsible for giving the law to the children of Israel, which was the schoolmaster to point them to Christ. He said he, saw, he wanted, he, he wished. Wow. Let me go to Hebrews 11 before I head to the next verse. Hebrews 11, and I will get this off the ground. In a second, Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, Moses said, when he come of age, I'm in Hebrews 11, verse 24, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 25, he's telling you what he purposely chose, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sins for a season, for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ. What? What, you don't think they didn't know about Christ? Your Bible just told you that Moses made a decision not to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He said, I'm going to side with Christ, the coming Messiah. The promised seed. But it gets better. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the world. Wow. So he knew a little something about Christ. Yeah, your Bible says they did. Take your Bible to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 10. Verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Moses and Abraham are included into that group. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but also unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have been preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven which things the angels desired to look into. It wasn't a secret. They knew a little something about it. Maybe not in the capacity that we knew, know today because of the completed Word of God. But they knew a little something about it. Who is this Jesus? Well, He's the promised Savior. The Old Testament saints knew about it. He's the promised King there in Isaiah. The Bible, the Old Testament, has a lot to say about the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, Matthew quotes Isaiah chapter 7 about verse uh, 14. 
But then Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us, this is a prophecy. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. That means he's going to be the king. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Here's some of his names. Wonderful. Counselor. The Mighty God. I talked about that a little bit. That's a phrase there. Shows up in Exodus chapter 6. The Almighty God. That's the name that Abraham knew God by. Remember? The Almighty God. He said, this is what you're going to call this child. These will be his names. The Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. So who is the Bible? Who is this Jesus according to the Bible? Well, He's the promised King. He's the promised Seed. He's the promised Savior. But the Bible is declaring that Jesus is God. Matthew, he shows Jesus... He came from Abraham through David and demonstrates that he is the Messiah promised in the Old Testament. Behold, the king cometh. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. But Mark, he shows Jesus came from Nazareth, demonstrating that Jesus is a servant. And then Luke shows Jesus came from Adam, demonstrating that Jesus is the perfect man, the kinsman redeemer. And then John, the book of John, shows Jesus came from heaven, demonstrating that Jesus is God. Let's turn to John. John chapter 1, and I'm referring to St. John. I was thinking about this this morning as I was getting ready to come to church this morning. I don't think that I'm originated this saying if my memory serves me correct what i'm getting ready to say other men have said and my mind says that it was martin luther the uh, the reformer or reformationist the protestant who nailed the thesis there on the door said what i'm getting ready to say if i had to choose if you was to give me a choice today that i could only have two books out of the 66 books of the bible I would choose John and Romans. For those two books are so very important because the book of John tells you who Jesus is. And the book of Romans tells you what to do about it. Hence, that's why they pass out John and Romans. If you can get just get into the hands of people that are not saved, and if you ha don't have the time uh, to witness to them, they're in a busy hurry, but they might read something later, make sure they get a copy of John and Romans. Now, Martin Luther didn't quite say it the way I did, but I was spending some time thinking about that this morning, that if I was given a choice of only two books, it would be John and Romans. And I assure you that I could spend the rest of my days preaching out of just those two books and teaching, and we would never, never exhaust it. They're that rich. But John, right here in John 1.1, because John presents Jesus as God manifested in the flesh, right here in the first verse, in we're going to break it down this morning. In the beginning was the Word. 
And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. If your Bible does not say that, if it says He was a God, you need to get rid of it. Because this is the time when what Bible you have in your hand is very, very important. And you must have the pure Word of God, which is found in the AV 1611, the King James Version. No other will quite do it like this one will. And doctrine is important. This is a doctrinal message this morning. In the beginning was the Word. It kind of starts like Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. Here, in the beginning, was the Word. What did He just say? Well, the eternal existing one, in the beginning... Jesus was there before anything was created. That's what he just told you. And that first little phrase, in the beginning, was. Jesus wasn't created in the beginning. Jesus doesn't show up after the beginning. He says, in the beginning, was. Remember, I said, pay attention to the past, present, and future tenses in your Bible. That was, there is past tense. In the beginning, was. The word That means before the worlds were spoken into existence, Jesus was there. Jesus was not created. He is not a created being. He's not an angel that God created. And His brother is not Lucifer. I don't care what uh, this false uh, doctrine teaches and these people that go around trying to tell you that Jesus and Satan are brothers. Good and evil. It's a, it's, it's a false doctrine. I wouldn't even term that as heresy. It's just straight up wrong. Wrong. Your Bible is clear. In the beginning was the Word. Then he says, And the Word, it's capitalized, it's personification, it's a name, was with God. Now this is important. With God, meaning that there's a separate personality. Oh, every word of God is important. Your Bible's teaching you so much in this one verse about who is Jesus. He's with God, meaning he's a separate personality. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. He was not in God, but with God. I threw that in there because Gnostics say, well, Jesus was in God. He was a thought in God's mind. That's why your Bible's so important. He said, no, he was with him. If you read down to verse 14, he says, and he was become flesh. So he wasn't just a thought in the mind. He also did not say with the Father. Did you catch that? He said he was with God. Well, why didn't he use the title of the Father? Well, God is the common to the three persons of the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. If it said, with the Father, which is the special title of the first person of the Godhead, 
this would have excluded the Holy Spirit in the fellowship. But the Bible says, with God. Hence we find all three in Genesis 1. If you was going to go back there, you got all three show up right there in the first three, four verses. You got God, you got Jesus, because Colossians says that Jesus spoke the worlds into existence. And if it ain't Colossians chapter 1, it's Hebrews chapter 1. And then you got the Holy Spirit moving upon the face of the waters. So they were all three there. There should be no confusion when you get over there to verse, what is it, 26, where he says, let us make man in our image. Everybody goes astray there. They say, well, he was talking to the angels. Angels are not made in the image of God, by the way. Body, soul, and spirit. He was talking to the Godhead. Elohim interpreted God, and it's plural. It's plural. And the word was God, all in one verse. He just comes out, in case there was any doubt, John brings you quickly to who, the conclusion of who is Jesus, and he says, and he was, and the word was God. Jesus is God. The word was God, or God was the word. I was doing some study, and I'm going to give a couple other scriptures. The first point's going to be a lengthy one, and then the rest will go quickly. But we need this. We need this doctrinal type of message. Doing a little reading about Jewish uh, Jewish culture, and they say when they refer back to Exodus, there where God speaks there on the Mount Sinai, a lot of times they'd say uh, they would uh, substitute the word word. Word in the Jewish, when they, when they say the word or the word of God, that's what they were talking about over there when Jehovah spoke. Now, we are not familiar with Jewish culture. We're not familiar with what they've done. But John is familiar with it. And he's bringing you in. He's telling you right up front that Jesus is God. You say, oh, I'm having trouble with that. That's because you don't know your Bible. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a hard thing to wrap your mind around, and you'll never completely wrap your mind around it. If you could figure God out, He couldn't be God. Take your Bible, and we could go right on through the book of John. John comes out, you get there in John 14, where he tells Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and my Father are one. And you say, what's he talking about? Well, he's talking about, and remember I said a couple weeks ago that God, there was no image of God there on that mountain. There was thunder, there was clouds, there was lightning. But there was no image. And he told them not to make an image. And they referred to him as the Word. We went to see the Word of God. 
That's what they would say. Sometimes they write it and put it in there. That's that what happened that day when Jehovah come down. They went out. They come out of the camp to see the word of God. And God spoke. And what your Bible's teaching you is now God, not only is he going to speak But He has chosen in these last days to speak unto us by His Son. And so the Word, which the Jews would immediately grab back there, okay, I know that title, became flesh. Uh Uh-oh. And dwelt among men. Because they couldn't see Him there and God wasn't going to mar the image of His Son. But in the process of time and in due time then that image was produced and it was the Lord Jesus Christ who all of the Godhead dwells in the Lord. Take your Bible to Acts chapter 20. We could spend days on that and I'm not going to. Acts chapter 20. Verse 28. All I'm saying is just believe your Bible. Who is this Jesus? Who does the Bible say Jesus is? Verse 28 in Acts 20. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God. Okay. Which he hath purchased with his what? Own blood. Now wait a minute. We all know who died on the cross. That was Jesus. Yeah, amen. What your Bible just taught you was it was God's blood. God manifested in the flesh that died on the cross. And it was God's blood that purchased the church. It's God's blood that must be applied to your account. And your Bible is teaching you that Jesus is God. You cannot get around that. And then we get into 1 Timothy 3. 1 Timothy 3. And I'm hurrying. I'm going to hurry. 1 Timothy 3. Listen fast, because I'm going to talk fast. 1 Timothy 3, once I get there. Generally, I quote it. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God, Elohim, was manifest in the flesh. Well, how did that happen? Through the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, over there in the book of John, verse 1, about verse 18, he tells you that God is a spirit and no man has seen God at any time. Well, then who was Abraham seeing? The incarnate Christ, the Lord. He was before the worlds were spoken into existence. There's only one being that has always existed, and that's God. That's what your Bible's teaching you. One more time to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John 5, verse 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, God the Father, the Word, that's God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Hence we get the word Trinity, three in one. That's what the Bible says about who is this Jesus. It's Emmanuel. It's God, the eternal existing one. 
become flesh and dwelt among us. But who is Jesus according to the apostles? Remember Christ asked Peter, he says, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some said you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. <laughs> you know, you want to know about who Jesus is? Study Jeremiah, study Elijah. Elijah was a fiery preacher. And then Christ asked Peter, he said, who do you say that I am? He said, thou art the Christ, son of the living God. How about Paul? Remember, Paul, take your Bible to Acts chapter 9. The Apostle Paul, that great persecutor of Christians. Now, why was he persecuting Christians? Because the Apostle Paul, whose name was Saul before he got saved, believed in one God, Jehovah. That's the only God he knew. He wasn't worshiping Dagon over there or Molech. He only knew one God, and he kept the law perfect. And so there rose up this sect of people that the Bible says in Acts says they were followers of the way. And he said they were claiming that Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. And to them that was a heresy. And he went and he wreaked havoc on that group of people because he did not believe that Jesus was God. He said, I'm going to kill them all. Look what happens to Paul when he was lost. Verse 3. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth. It knocked him off his horse, whatever he was riding. And heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? He only knew one God, Jehovah. And so he says, Who, else, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus. <laughs> Imagine that. Whom thou persecutest. This man gets saved. He was lost because he did not believe that Jesus was God. And he was working to kill those people that believed that way. He was their enemy. And all of a sudden, Jehovah shone around about him and said, Hey, why are you persecuting me? He said, Who art thou, Lord? And, and, and what he was saying was, I'm not persecuting you. I, I, I'm standing up for you. And the Lord said, I'm Jesus. <laughs> oh, <laughs> He was wrong. He got saved that day, believing that Jesus is Lord. So who's Jesus to you? Is Jesus just a prophet? Is Jesus just a teacher sent from God? Maybe John the Baptist. Maybe Elijah. Or is Jesus Lord and Savior? You know, I got a quote here, and I found it this week. It's by Dr. John Getch. I believe it to be very fitting, very, very fitting for the message, and I'm, I'm closing. And the quote is, what you do with the truth determines what you will do with the air. What you do with the truth determines what you will do with the air. See, what's that mean? Well, I think I can explain it in Scripture. 
The Bible says this in 2 Thessalonians 2, about verse 10. The people that deny that Jesus is God, that people that want to say that Jesus was just a good man or maybe just a good prophet or maybe just a good teacher, but he could not have been God manifested in the flesh. Here's what the Bible says will happen. If you deny the truth, you will accept the error. I, I believe that's what Dr. John Getch is communicating. Because how you handle the truth, or what you do with the truth, determines what you will do with the air. And here's what the Bible says, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth. What's the love of the truth? But God commended His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the love of the truth. God manifested in the flesh, born of a virgin. And for this cause, because of how they handled the truth, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure and unrighteousness. I think that's why Moses acted on the truth and said, you know what? I'm not going to take pleasure in unrighteousness because it's only going to last for a season. But I'm going to bear the reproach of Christ and the cross. I'm looking for the coming Redeemer, the Christ child, to redeem us. And what you choose to do with that truth, who is Jesus, will determine what you will do with the air. You see, the devil's bringing a Jesus. The world's getting prepared for him right now. And by the way, right here in 2 Thessalonians, Jesus says, you won't receive me. I'm telling you, I'm God manifest in the flesh, and you won't receive me. I'm coming in the name of the Father. He said, but there is one coming after me who will come in his own name who you will receive. Why? Because of what they had done with the truth. You see, the Antichrist, you want to know why the devil and his crew wants to deny that Jesus is God? Because there's one coming who's the devil. Verse 4, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. The devil's going to come on the scene as the Antichrist, claiming to be God manifested in the flesh. That's why he wants you to deny or to think or to not believe that Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. And what you do with that truth, because Christ has already been here and gone, and if you reject that, you'll receive the second one, which is of Satan. And the world will buy into that. This is God manifest in the flesh. It's not the fact that they don't believe that God could be manifest in the flesh. They just don't want to believe that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh because they want to accept the devil. It's a doctrine of a devil to believe that Jesus is not God. It's what it is. And so what you do with the truth today will determine what you will do with the air tomorrow.
I'm sticking with this book. Jesus is God. I believe it. I practice it. I acted upon it and asked Jesus to save me.